And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to The 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show family. It is our 2022 season preview episode. Welcome if you're watching us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else as we get things rolling here on this Wednesday. Derek Ben Wright for Bricciaroli and the King of Waffles, Eno Saris, here with us. Eno looking well-rested on his vacation. Oh, I'm not well-rested at all. I'm in Disneyland. <laughs> I got a BB-8, though, see? You do. And you're a little lighter in the pocket. Oh, my yeah. God. That thing alone was 125 bucks. Woo. Are the uh, are the sunglasses because you're so tired, or is it because you're in Disneyland and that's the Hollywood look? Yes, I'm I'm on vacation. This is the vacation look. <laughs> who takes who takes a vacation before opening day? You know, never again. Who who? I should ask who? my wife that. <laughs> you're probably getting that question a lot the last 48 <laughs> hours or so. On this episode, though, we will talk about possible division winners. We'll make predictions for several awards: Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP. And we'll make World Series predictions. Might even get some bold predictions in there, too, because on our episode last week, Britt and I harshly judged Eno's bold predictions. We may give him a chance to return the favor uh, at some point here in the next hour or so. But opening day, 24 hours away as we record this. And I'm probably as excited for this year's opening day as I've ever been for any opening day because of the meandering road we took to get here. And this is always a great time of year because even if the team you root for, the teams you follow, even if they're not that good, you still have a little glimmer of hope, except for maybe Orioles fans. But at least for the Orioles, that's a young team bringing up prospects. They're getting better, too. I think it's interesting to always look at who is projected to be the most improved team from the previous season. Because even if you're a team like the Diamondbacks, for example, the step forward you're going to take is still significant. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step toward being a postseason team again, right? We talked about the Diamondbacks a bit last week. The Marlins among the teams projected for big improvements. Not even the Rangers. <laughs> not even the Rangers with the biggest improvement, but the, the amount of money they spent, the young talent they have coming up. If you're a Rangers fan, you are much happier today than you were at this time a year ago, right? The Mets, of course, with the the second half slide last year plus the the upgrades this offseason they're projected to be significantly improved as well and even even the orioles like i mentioned better than they were a year ago you There's- guys 15 games who made this <laughs> this, is re- this is just the reality it's like the the projection versus how they finished oh gosh i think you just orioles not buying the would- orioles one i think orioles fans will dance in the streets if they can come that close to 70 wins like come on look um, at the rest of that division look at the rest of that division that's true. There's no gimmies for the Orioles. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about those. You believe those, DVR? You in on all those? I'm fine with it because I just saw the Zips projected standings come through with a Fangraphs tweet. Zips has the other four teams, the Jays, the Rays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox, all finishing with 88 wins and the Orioles at 64. It seems very reasonable, right? You bring up Adley Rutschman. You bring up Grayson Rodriguez. You bring up some of the other prospects that have been moving through that system that might get a little less fanfare outside of Baltimore and they become more competitive, more watchable. But they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Executing that kind of rebuild in that division, it's not going to be great. But I think well, as you, you look know, at these teams... Go ahead, you know. I mean, just one last thing about that that projection is like the, the last... Uh, the One of the ways the projections aren't great is that the trade deadline, right? So at the trade deadline, bad teams get worse and good teams get better. And there's a separation there that has something to do with the roster that doesn't exist right now. So you're projecting the Orioles roster. If they stay together the way they are, it should get to 64, 67 wins, whatever it is. However, what happens at the trade deadline, I think it's actually an open question. You were about to start talking about the rebuild in, in Baltimore. 
is the rebuild at a point where they say, no, we're going to keep means, we're going to keep Mullins, we're going to, we're building towards something, we're going to try to get to close to 80 wins or something, 70 wins, you know, or are they going to say, wow, we're one of the very few sellers, right? Like if you think about it with the expanded playoffs, there might only be four sellers like that are very obviously sellers and have some pieces. So they might be able to get a ransom for, for means, um, you know, if not Mullins or, or Mancini, they all start with them. That's weird. Yeah. The third, I, I, I agree with you. I also think if you thought the Orioles were even close, then you wouldn't have made the recent moves they made. I mean, they just traded Tanner Scott and one other reliever who were kind of the back end of their, you know, their bullpen guys for a, what a, a pick, a collective, like a, what a, another draft pick. So I think if you're the Orioles, it doesn't really make any sense to, to stand pat this year at the deadline. That's why I don't think they sniff that projection. It's interesting to see all these double-digit wins. The Mets, obviously, is going to hinge on Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer staying healthy, right? Otherwise, mm. does anyone think they're going to make that big bump up? I think that's difficult, and that's something the computer can't model either, is coming off of the lockout, how many injuries are we going to see? Ken Rosenthal had it in his column. It's like the top thing he's concerned about. And I've heard from a lot of people in the game, trainers, coaches, players, about that very thing. We're starting with extended rosters. The Dodgers have 16 pitchers to try to mitigate this, but we're still probably going to see an unprecedented amount of injuries that you just can't account for. And some boring poo-poo 10, 12 pitcher games. <laughs> that could happen too. That could definitely happen. Expanded rosters, of course, to begin the season. Hopefully, and even, uh, not too even much into May or something, right? There was like a yeah. there was a second portion. It wasn't just April. Yeah. So I want I want to ask both of you: Who do you think is truly the most improved team? It doesn't have to be one of the five teams on the screen right now. It doesn't have to be the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Rangers, or the Mets. Based on all the moves that have happened over the course of this offseason, seeing how the opening day rosters have come together, Britt, I'll throw it to you first. Which team has improved the most for you? since the end of last season. Yeah, I, I think it's twofold. I like the Blue Jays. I think they made a ton of moves. They were really aggressive. Um, they also arguably lost, probably they got one of the biggest holes, I guess, in losing Robbie Ray. So they had to fill it. They had to go out and make those moves. I think they got a lot better. I think a team that maybe isn't going to contend this year that got a lot better, that people aren't talking enough about, is Detroit. You look at what they have added and what they've still continued to add um, to that team. They get Javi Baez. They go out and they sign Eduardo Rodriguez. They get Tucker Barnhart, uh, Andrew Chafin. They, they've continued to kind of chip away. They get Austin Meadows from the Rays recently, you know, adding just a couple games here, a couple games there in terms of war. And you look at it, and they should have a significant improvement, even though people don't think so because they outperformed expectations last year. It's like they're almost being punished for being so good last year. People are like, oh, I think they're going to do what they did last year, even though on paper they're a much improved team than they were a year ago. Yeah, that's a good point, too. There's an overachievers that got better and will stay the same. Like a little bit like uh, the Blue Jays were really good and they improved a lot, but they'll they'll probably be the same or maybe you know a game or two bigger to better, which would be huge. I think the Blue Jays are going to make the postseason this year. I mean, it's the expanded postseason, sure, but uh, I think they might win that division. Yeah, I, I like the way they're built a lot right now. I've got the Twins as my most improved team since last season. There are plenty of, of contenders for this, but you look at this team, they made a lot of trades. Sonny Gray heads up that rotation. He might not be a true ace, but he's certainly an upgrade over what they had. You know, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, relative unknowns outside of Minnesota and outside of fantasy circles. They're going to be really important pitchers for that rotation this year. Maybe they can get a bounce back from one of Dylan Bundy or Chris Archer. I'd be surprised if they got it from both. And they've got some pitching knocking on the door in the minors. Josh Winder's a guy that's opened some eyes this spring. He might be part of the answer to the how do they get there question with the, the pitching holes they have in the back end of that rotation. Other pitching prospects there, Simeon Woods-Richardson, Jordan Belazovich. But the big league roster... It's a good lineup. I mean, they've made the move to get Gary Sanchez. I think mixing and matching him between catcher and DH, that'll work out fine. I think not having as much pressure on him and not finding out or hearing every day about how bad his defense is might actually you know, loosen him up a little bit at the plate. They added Carlos Correa, which was probably the biggest surprise of all the offseason moves that we saw. I think that's huge for them as well. They have young players like Alex Kirilov that could take a step forward. If Byron Buxton stays healthy, I know that's a massive if, and Twins fans have been hoping for that for a long time. They have an MVP caliber center fielder. That's the type of ceiling they have. So 
they're really kind of good all over the place, and their bullpen is strong too. So they're one of those teams that if that rotation is often free, is leaving them with these five and dive scenarios, they're deep enough in that relief core to do really well. I think the question will be what kinds of upgrades can they make later on this season to fortify any holes that develop on the roster. But I really like the way the Twins are built right now. They have 11 uh, pitchers, not just starters, 11 pitchers projected to be above average, uh, to be better than average. And that is tied for most in the game. So I know it doesn't look like that when you look in, and maybe they're missing some sort of top-end ace. Like, they don't really have an ace that stacks up against Garrett Cole or, uh, you know, even maybe against Jose Barrios, <laughs> their old ace. Um, but uh, I could see this working as a bunch of above-average arms with a lot of depth mixing and matching their way on the pitching side while, uh, you know, hitting really, really well. And I think one thing that they've improved, if you look up and down this lineup that with the changes, for the most part, they've improved their strikeout rate. And I think, you know, going to Correa there, that's one of the things that he brings is this really good contact rate with the power. So if you improve strikeout rate, but you still have the, the Bomba squad there um, and, uh, and you have some of that pitching depth coming up, I, I could actually – I could see them uh, pushing pushing for the playoffs. But if you look even with expanded playoffs, it's going to be tough because you're kind of looking at three coming out of the East. You know? Yeah, and totally. if you're If you're looking at three coming out of the East, that means there's one more wild card somewhere. Um, and that means you're up against the entire West and Central to get that wild card, if not the division. So uh, that, that's going to be the dogfight. It's basically going to be like Twins versus Mariners is, I think, what it's going to come down to uh, in, you know, in, the, in the last month. And that might lead for a really fun September. So you two are both going Twins, I take it, as the most improved? Is that what we're no. taking out of this? No. Nope. Wait, you just went you went on a 10-minute rant about the Twins, but they're not your I was just team. agreeing with him. I'm the king of waffles. I'm allowed to do what I want. But I, I was just you had agreeing a second with answer. Him. What's the second answer? I'm job with the Texas Rangers, man. Come on. All they right, just like, right. spent a bajillion dollars on their middle infield. But the reason that I like the Rangers is not just the two big high-priced guys in the middle. I really like what they did around that, too. I mean, if you look at guys like Brad Miller, Matt Carpenter, all these guys they brought in, Cole Calhoun, they're all guys who have a long track record of being good hitters. They're not needed for good defensive positions. Like they're all needed for like DH and corner outfield. Like that's going to be fine. I bet you Donnie Ecker is going to turn one of those guys into a 30 homer guy this year. We're going to be like, Cole, what? You know, like Brad Miller, what? And, uh, and then on top of that, John Gray adding a sweeper slider, um, you know, getting out of, uh, out of course, his core, his curveball will be average. I see him with the, Average curveball, two uh, really good sliders, uh, and uh, and still throwing 94, 95. I think he could have a really good year for him. They will need a little bit uh, to find some pitching, uh, but they do have like a long list of, of prospect pitchers at this point. It's just none none of them are really highly regarded. <laughs> it's just sort of yeah, waiting for one of those guys to step up. <laughs> It feels like had they gotten Clayton Kershaw or another big pitcher, you would have felt a little bit differently about them maybe even this year, right? But they're just still missing the pitching. They're almost in the Tigers boat, though, of teams that, like, let's give let's give them props. They're trying. Right. The Royals as well for, you know, not playing the service time game with Bobby Wood Jr. They're trying ahead of their window. And I don't know how we can make that trendy, but that would totally be a trend I think we would all welcome, right? Like, we may not be good now, but we think we're going to be good soon, so we're going to spend some money. Yeah, I think that's like the Manny Machado signing in San Diego was like, hey, we're on our way. We're going to we're announcing ourselves with this big signing. And I think it works because you need to have one big signing in place to get the next big signing. It's a little bit like the NBA at times where I'm going to join up with these the super squad now. Um, it's a little bit easier to get a veteran at the end of his career to sign on for a year or two. Um, you know, if you've got, if you've got a, a team that's getting uh, closer to contention, but the, the problem that I have with the Royals compared to Texas, like I think Texas is still looking for an identity when it comes to pitching development and player development. Um, and, uh, that that's, you can see that as a negative, but I think the Royals have an identity when it comes to pitching development and it's a bad one. Like I, I just I see they they throw the worst fastballs in the league by stuff plus none of their starting pitchers uh, has as a good fastball and they all throw the fastball 60 percent of the time. 
It makes no sense to me. They're all throwing sinkers and they're throwing stinkers, really. And they're throwing them 60% of the time. It's yeah. like a throwback to a time that everybody else has moved on from. And, and like they have no pitching prospect that they can be like, look, our method works. Like it hasn't, it hasn't worked. And they keep spending picks. I mean, all these guys are, a lot of them are really high picks and none of them uh, have been any good. So uh, I don't know about the Royals pitching philosophy. That's the only thing that, that holds me back from being like putting them, like you said, with Detroit, with Texas is like, Hey, these are the teams that are on the rise. This is, this is coming because I really do love the hitters in they're going in, in Kansas City, but the pitchers, man, I just, I, I think there'll be a, a good Texas young pitcher before there'll be a good uh, Royals young pitcher. Wow, save that for the hot takes, you know. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, Jack Leiter starting the season at Double A. I think you know, between him and Cole Wynn, the Rangers have two guys that we haven't seen yet that you could see being impact guys very soon. The Royals, I think, more questions with that group of young pitchers. They've been trying to get up to the big leagues. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The other end of the spectrum, real quick, the low, the biggest fallers, the Giants exceeded expectations last year, so it's not a surprise to see them here. You know, The Rays, as we've said many, many times on this show, the projections generally don't spit out the best possible numbers on them because they Ooh. use so many young players who aren't really baked into that projection the way they should be. The A's make sense. They're taking a step back given what they've done to tear down that roster. The Mariners were a team that were fortunate last year. I don't think they're going to fall quite that much because they brought up Julio Rodriguez. They made that trade with the Reds to add Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. And you've got the Cardinals sliding a little bit as well. I'm not sure I buy the Cardinals as a faller. I, I think they, they're one of those teams where I think they're in a little bit of trouble because of the Flaherty injury, but they're going to find ways to score more runs than they did last year. I like that lineup actually top to bottom. I think they always have a solid bullpen and they tend to find guys in the back end of the rotation that play at a high, that pitch at a high level because the defense is really good and the park is a pitcher friendly park. So I'm curious of those five teams, Giants, Rays, A's, Mariners, Cardinals, are there any that you really do see falling as much as the projections suggest that they're going to fall other than the A's? Let's just throw them out right now. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. all agree. Who's the, the other one yeah. of the other four? <laughs> I mean, the, the A's were just the obvious, like, wow, they're even kind of kind to them, right? As, as we have talked about, they could make more moves at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always hate piling on the Rays. And, you know, I think you wrote this in your preview. People hate on them, and then they always they always exceed expectations. So I always hate sitting here saying, hey, we're smarter than Eric Neander, because we aren't. We just, we just aren't. Um, you know, we can point to the stats and numbers and cool figures and try to sound smart. And at the end of the day, the Rays are, if they are watching this, just laughing at us, right? Because they're smarter than us. So I have a really hard time saying that the Rays are going to regress that much. Are they as good as last year's team? I don't think so right now as it stands. But I also... You know, wouldn't doubt if they have five guys we've never heard of that come up from double A and all of a sudden are are game changers, right? Like that's the Tampa Bay Rays way. So I would be hesitant to put them in the bucket of going to be a lot worse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand the Austin Meadows trade this close to the season because you've got that money budgeted. Why why are you trying to save money on the cusp of the season? It doesn't make unless you're trying to save it for the trade deadline so that they can, you know, make another Nelson Cruz type move to to try and go for it at the end. Uh, that was a, a head scratcher for me, but I do know they're really excited about Josh Lau, I believe it is, because there's a tons of lows and Laos that have come through there. I believe it is Josh Lau. Um, and he looks like a power speed guy who's been playing defense 
maybe they think he's just going to be a better player than Austin Meadows uh, right in year one. And they have more rookies than anybody. They always have the youngest uh, squads and they kind of turn their nose up at, you know, experience and the, and the value of playoff experience. And I don't know, they got to world series. They do really well. They, 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 they have the best stuff numbers, you know, that model that I've got for, for pitchers. they, they're they're they've signed it up, you know, so I, I'm not going to I'm not betting against them. I'm not betting against them. But I and I'm also not betting against the Giants because the Giants um, are like the mixing match, like older brother of the Rays, you know, where they're just like, yeah. you know, they've got like they've got a guy who can hit four seamers and they've got a guy who hits his sinkers and they've got it. There was a great piece in baseball perspective about that, by the way, that like Darren Ruff is the sinker God. So he only goes and plays against sinkers and and Austin Slater can hit high four seamers. So he only plays against high four seamer guys. So they've really sort of scienceded it up. Um, there too. So I don't know. I don't, I'm backed myself into a corner. Who, who am I, uh, who am I voting against here? Same, same. That's just the A's. I think just the A's. I'm, be- <laughs> I'm going against the Cardinals. I'm going against the Cardinals Ooh. because I think Jack Flaherty injury is huge. And I think with the DH, uh, some of that, uh, that soft landing that they get in their own home park may go out the window. I think that, you know, somebody like, uh, Dakota Hudson, who's been really good for them in the past, does not look good in my model. You start pitching him against lineups with a DH in there with nine good hitters. Um, I could see him having some trouble. And uh, I just don't know that they have uh, the pitching that they need to get through this year. <laughs> for those new to the show, Eno never picks anything. He talks about every team so that everything is covered. <laughs> right, DVR? Yep. It's he a t- cover he- Yes, he does like a 20-minute thing. Said- where he, covers, he covers every team. And then no matter what, you know, can be like, as I said. <laughs> but I did pick a team this time. I said the Cardinals. That's the one I, got, I, I don't know. You talked about like 10 teams. I'm confused. I don't know. I don't I know. He, I think he's buzzing in Cardinals as the final answer. But here's that what we're going to do. the final answer. Cardinals. Bing. <laughs> I have said one word, I guess. <laughs> we're we're going to make this really easy. We're going to do division winner predictions. We're going to start with the AL East. And we're going to go to Eno first. Who wins the AL East, Eno? One Mariners. team, you know, just one. Mariners. AL East? Bit, bit, bit bold. Oh, AL East? I thought you said uh, <laughs> Yes, the Mariners. That is a bold prediction. The five out of five. All the hot sauce. I, listen, today I'm going, I'm going bold head, across the board. Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, that's not that bold. I'm going Blue Jays, too. All right. It's a sweep for us with what? the Jays. I have the Jays winning the division, too. That's not going to be bold. This is division bold. winning predictions. All right, fine. The concern I have right now, there's a couple things. The Red Sox, the Chris Sale injury, I think is a big deal. That's going to be a longer timetable than we thought, even just a week ago. So my optimism that I expressed about them on best on the board as a a team that could be a little undervalued in the futures market, that's gone. They need a healthy Chris Sale. They're going to exceed expectations. They need him back. So I'm backing off the Red Sox a bit. I'm in on the Jays. I love what they've done. I'm with Britt. I think the moves they've made this offseason, they've fortified all their weaknesses. They've run probably six or seven deep if they need to in the rotation. Sneaky good bullpen as well. So a lot of love for Toronto on this show. AL Central, we'll go to you first, Britt. Who wins the AL Central this year? Should I just say Mariners just to mess with Eno? Should we just say Mariners for every Everyone. Uh, (laughs) Everyone. Uh, This is such an easy one. That I almost feel bad about it, but it's got to be the White Sox, right? I mean, they ran away with it last year, and I think the Twins got better. I think the Tigers got better, as I mentioned. Um, I think the Royals are on the up and up. I don't really know what Cleveland's doing, but waiting for the young, cheap kids to come up and not pay anybody until then. Um, but I don't see anybody challenging the White Sox. I really don't. I think it would take a rash of injuries for anyone else to sniff the AL Central. You know? Yeah. White Sox. Oh, it's another sweep. I got the White Sox, too. I think the Twins do apply the most pressure, though, as I mentioned earlier, seeing them as the most improved team in the entire league. I think they're the team that hangs around and makes it a little closer than people might anticipate. And I do think the Twins are going to be a wild card team this year, which is going to make the AL East uh, competition. It's going to make those teams a little disappointed because it's not going to be as easy as it was last year for the AL East to get you know, three teams in the postseason even with the extra wild cards that have been added let's go to the al west let's go back to you on this one Britt. who wins the al west <laughs> well unfortunately i don't think it's seattle as much as i would love to put them here um i look forward to the day when it's not houston 
but I think it's Houston. They lost Carlos Correa, but they're still they're worse than they were a year ago. They're still better than everybody else. And Eno and I have gotten an awful lot of hate from Houston fans lately for omitting Yuli Gurriel from our top tier players. And so um, maybe this will help with some of the backlash. We don't in fact hate the Houston Astros. <laughs> Jeremy right? Pena. I don't think. <laughs> Jeremy Pena is really exciting and he might step right in for Carlos Correa. You know, I had a, a bold prediction on the fantasy site that Jeremy Pena goes 2020 and steals rookie of the year from Julio Rodriguez. So um, I, I do, I'm excited for Pena. I love that pitching staff. I always have. Um, but uh, what we saw from them last year is there's a little bit of fatigue slash injury concern. I think with those pitchers, Jose Arquiti is one of the highest injury projections, uh, according to Jeff Zimmerman's injury projection model. Uh, Luis Garcia was was fading at the end of the last season. They no longer have Zach Greinke as the you know the, the innings horse for them. Uh, how many innings will Justin Verlander get? What will the shape of his season be? Um, so I think there's a I think there's enough questions on this on the pitching side that I am going to take the Mariners, who I see as having excellent pitching depth they just matt brash got the fifth spot in that rotation he's super exciting uh one pitching coach that i saw uh, that i talked to that saw him said it was the best slider he saw in the minor leagues last year uh that's matt brash in the fifth spot george kirby has like four pitches and is now throwing 96 97 and he's the sixth guy uh and they got more on the way they got this sidearming guy pen murphy who just put up a 170 stuff plus in the spring. I've never seen a number that high in my model. And uh, he's just another like Paul Seawall that's going to come in and throw funk from some weird angle. And that bullpen, I think, could be the best in the big leagues this year. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why people aren't talking about it. Andres Munoz throws 100. They got funk from, from Paul Seawall. They've got, uh, you know, Diego Castillo, who used to be the Rays closer. I mean, I, I think that bullpen is amazing. And now the lineup is really coming together with Julio Rodriguez in there, Kyle Lewis coming back in a couple of weeks, uh, Hanniger just doing his thing. Um, and I think Suarez helping shore up the infield a little bit. I don't know. Offensively, we'll see where he's at, but uh, he doesn't need to be that great. He's like the seven hitter. So I, I think this is a really good squad. And I think that I don't know why the projections are missing, but I would guess it's because of those young players who usually project a young player to be close to the mean. But Julio Rodriguez is my favorite prospect in the minor leagues. Yeah, there's easily a path here. And uh, John, who asked earlier, is this another live podcast type thing? Yeah, I think that's exactly what we are. Yeah. Also wants to know if anyone will show real respect for the Angels. I will show real respect for the Angels. I think the Angels are going to win the AL West. I think this is a good lineup. I don't know why they punted oh, shortstop. That's the one thing go. they did this offseason. They punted the most important position on the field. I think they just stuck Fletcher there. I mean, it's fine. David Fletcher's fine. But the point really is, really punting second. Wait, wait, wait. Let Derek defend his pick here. Okay, I'm very sorry. curious about this. Okay. <laughs> a healthy Mike Trout and a, hand, a healthy Anthony Rendon. That changes everything from the start, right? They got rid of Justin Upton, maybe a little early. But at least they're going to play Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele. I think that makes them better defensively in the outfield. They added Cindergard. When Cindergard's healthy, we know he's an impact arm. If you get a full season of Patrick Sandoval in the rotation and he pitches as well as he did last year once he made that move, they've got a legitimate number three. Obviously, Otani is pitching more like a front of the rotation guy now than he was when he first came in. You look at that, plus the back end guys like Reed Detmers, who I think is going to take a huge step forward this year. Jose Suarez, a little bit of a back-end sleeper. Michael Lorenzen's just more of a depth guy right now. I think the key to this team is just staying healthy because compared to a lot of the other teams that we're projecting as division winners, teams we expect to see playing into October, the Angels do not have the deep bench and the reinforcements to back it up. They're a little bit like the White Sox were a year ago. And the White Sox did weather those injuries because the division, the AL Central, was so bad. The Angels don't have that luxury. The AL West is tough right now. You saw what the White Sox did in the offseason. They mostly attacked their depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Pollock, yeah. Pollock Kimball trade aside, they, Josh Harrison, Larry Garcia, you know, those those are about like mixing and matching. Harrison can play here. If this guy's hurt, you know, Angle, Garcia, we have pieces if people go down. So I think that is sort of what's missing for this Angel squad. Yeah. So Eight none of us agree good. on the West. None no, of us we're, agree. We're, we, we're in, in sync on the, the AL East and the AL Central, but all on our own planet when it comes to the AL West. Like the Angels bullpen a lot too. At least the A bullpen with Iglesias, Tepera, Loop, Myers, yeah. Archie Bradley. If he's your fifth reliever, fine. I mean, I just think this is a team that has 
become better with health and has made a few moves that actually put them in a much better spot. Really excited the AL West should be an actual battle again this year, though. Looking forward to that. Let's shift the focus over to the National League. We'll go to the NL East. We'll let you choose a division winner first, Eno. Hmm. Here is where I talk about all the teams and pick one. But I just wanted to say something. <laughs> I think the Phillies are either first or last. There's something about this team. Are they first, though, for you? Probably not. But I, and, I, and I don't want to put them last. But what I'm saying is this. It is going to be spectacular one way or the other, I think. Yeah. Because they have Agreed. no defenders. Their no. bullpen is all like stuff, 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 100 miles an hour. There's Everybody throws 100 and is crazy stuff. None of them can command it. None of the guys in their bullpen can command the ball. Like like bottom shelf command. That's like they they really took a bet against command and defense on this team. And those are like the little things that like, you know, when you're doing a projection, you're like, ah, it's fine. Look, we mash, it's cool. We'll, you know, but then like in September, you're like, oh God, you guys can't field at all. And none of the relievers know where the strike zone is. And so I could really just see that going either way. So it's hard for me to pick them uh, to, to win it. But I just wanted to say there's like this outside possibility where it does work out and it doesn't matter that nobody can play defense. Um, <laughs> Who's your taking, team, you know? You can't the pick Mets. them all. Taking the Mets. Ooh. I'm taking the Mets. I think they did enough. I think they have tons of depth. They have so much depth with Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil now being sort of pushed to secondary status. And, you know, uh, (laughs) 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 yes, I, you know, the Braves, uh, I've been wrong in the past. I just, I see a little bit of a a World Series hangover. There's some injuries. There's, uh, you know, there's some depth issues on the pitching side for me. I love Spencer Strider, though. So if, if he gets thrust into the rotation, you know, that would be awesome. But I, I'm picking the Mets because they have the star quality. They, they, they're, I think they're two or three deep at the most important positions. Uh, they do have some defensive issues, but it's not like the Phillies. So uh, I'm all over this Mets squad. I think I think they're going to be good. I, the, the news on the ground is bad, but I think Scherzer will get back in there and, and be their ace. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you. People, Mets are the Mets. I mean, that's true, and I think that was the common refrain when you heard about DeGrom and Scherzer. I do mm-hmm. think it's a little different being in that camp. I was around those guys a lot. The vibe isn't like, oh, here we go, Mets again. I think they're a better team. They're managed better. Uh, Buck Walter is going to, I think, prove his weight in gold. He's going to be able to kind of prevent some of that backsliding that we saw with a very talented team. Uh, I think he's going to be very good for Francisco Lindor in terms of kind of between the ears, just telling him, hey, go out and play shortstop. No one needs you to be the leader. No one needs you to do extra things. Just go play shortstop. That's all we need you to do. Um, I think the Braves are very good. I just think it's almost impossible for teams that win the World Series to continue to play at such a high level. There's always regression, and it's usually in the bullpen. And I know they have a good bullpen, and I know they made a lot of moves. It just to win the World Series, so many things have to go your way, injury-wise, personnel-wise, performance-wise, and it is very hard. This is why there are no repeat champions uh, especially in the NL. This is why it's very hard to repeat. So I think this is the Mets time. I also think they have an owner who, if they're close at the deadline, will have no issue throwing money at the problem, right? Getting another starter, getting another bat. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem for Steve Cohen because he wants to win so badly. And I think that that's probably going to put the Mets on, on top. I think the Mets are a playoff team this year, but... I think the Phillies are winning the division. I think the the spicy meatball. The Eno fever dream scenario, I think, is more real than people realize. And I think the thing about the Phillies that gets overlooked is the quality of their rotation. Wheeler and Nola are a fantastic one, too. Ranger Suarez was a huge surprise last year. He's obviously not going to pitch as well as he did in the rotation at the end of last season. But Gibson and Eflin good back-end guys. The bullpen is still a problem. I think it's at least a little bit better than it was a year ago, and it's the kind of thing that you can fix in season, right? They've already pushed enough chips in. Yeah, Steve Cohen wants to win. He's going to make trades too, but the Phillies have committed to trying to win right now. When you have Harper in the back part of his peak or entering the back part of his peak, you want to win now on that contract. I think adding Schwarber and adding Castellanos and paying JT Real Muto as well, all of that is done 
to make this team win right now. So I know the defense could be a disaster. I know the bullpen could blow close games. I think that's where the first or last, the Ricky Bobby vibes come from for the Phillies right now. (laughs) They're going to score a ton of runs. They're going to be a fun offense to watch. And I think at the very least, they're going to win a lot of ugly, you know, seven, five snowball fight type games because they are built to mash. So you think, so DVR, if the Mets are a playoff team, you think the Braves are third place in the East? I think they might actually get three teams in. I think the way this the season could play out, it could just be a heavy NL East group of wild cards getting in, and they're going to be all reasonably close. And I think the you know the Acuna injury, they sure they won the World Series without him last year. I think during the regular season that becomes a problem. I wonder, you know, you replace Freeman with Olson, it's not much of a drop there, but there's that added pressure, that that target on your back as a defending champion that you kind of have to deal with. Maybe it's less intense in baseball than it is other sports, but I think that is a real possibility that there's some kind of hangover effect there. They're a very good team. They have pitching depth. I, I love their rotation as well. They've improved their bullpen. Atlanta is in a good position. So I think it's yeah. three playoff teams coming out of the East, but I think the Phillies are the surprise by winning the division. I wonder if there's any chance, and this stuff gets overblown, but it does matter sometimes if there's any chance for sort of fracture in team chemistry in Atlanta. I just yeah. I have to bring it up because the I, this is something that I didn't care about at all when I wrote for Fangraphs and was a blogger. And the more that I've been in the clubhouse, I, I think it's, yeah. you can kind of see it sometimes. And what happens is the leader in the clubhouse is the highest paid position player. It's just a de facto thing. Everyone kind of just turns to that person for the interview at the end of the game, for you know some sort of uh, style leadership and uh, that sort of deal. So Matt Olson, in this weird way, steps in. I think he's the highest paid player because Acuna and, and Albies are on these underpaid extensions. And so you, he's like a new guy, you know, that just came in and replaced Freddie Freeman and is now going to be the leader. Like if that, if they start losing, you know, Uh, I I love Matt Olson. He's a really nice guy. He's from Atlanta. I think it'll be fine, but you know, there's a chance where things don't go that well. And, and there's, there's there's a little bit of strife behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because having covered teams, having been on a beat for a dozen years, you know, I, that was my first thought is how does this impact the clubhouse? What does Freeman do with these young guys that we didn't see, right? That didn't show up in standings. What did he do when they lost for a week straight, right? What, what kind of conversations was he having with guys? And I don't think you can step into a new team and all of a sudden just be the leader. I don't think it's that easy. I think it's something you earn from being around. You earn trust, you build relationships, and you can't replace Freddie Freeman in Atlanta in that regard. You could replace his numbers and Matt Olson could make them a better team on paper, but I do wonder about those intangibles. It's a great point. As a self-described spreadsheet nerd, it's exactly the kind of thing that I would overlook. So I don't know. I'm trying to be more aware of situations like that. And this does seem like a legitimate issue, but they're very well built. They're going to be, I think, generally fine. But how they handle adversity without Freddie Freeman there, I think that's a fair question to ask at this point. Let's kick it over to the NL Central. Britt, you have the floor first. Who wins the NL Central this year? Okay, like I hate to be Eno and talk about multiple teams, but I think it, my head says the Brewers. No, one's, no one ever really talks about them. They might be the most underrated probably division winner going. But my heart says, how cool would it be if the Cardinals won in the final year of Pujols, Yachty, and Wainwright, right? Probably not a thing, except you look at the Central, and if the Brewers still struggle offensively, um, I'm not really sure what to make of the Cubs, right? Could be second, could be fourth, could be whatever. Um, can't there maybe be an avenue here? I can't make the numbers make sense, but I want it to make sense because it would be, in my opinion, one of the coolest stories in baseball if they were able to win the division. I'm not saying they win the World Series, but if they were a playoff team, if they somehow outperformed and had like one last gust of wind and all these old guys, just how great would that be? So I would love to say Brewers. My head says Brewers, but I'm going to Eno it back and forth and say, let's go Cardinals just because no one is picking the Cardinals. And it sounds like an insane pick that I I will (laughs) agree. I cannot defend at all with numbers. I'm not even going to try. Poolhouse adds maybe half a game of war. It's not like this huge addition. Um, But hey, if Jack Flaherty comes back and he has a good year, 
Maybe they can get it done. Maybe. I'm with Jake. <laughs> it yeah, be. Jake is a Cardinals fan. He says he'd pick <laughs> the Brewers. Nostalgia doesn't win games. Nostalgia doesn't win games. <laughs> You know, what about that. voodoo magic? Corbin what about Burns. Cardinals voodoo magic? That's right. There is some voodoo magic. I'm saying, man, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, uh, uh, you know, that Brandon Woodruff, that that rotation is just too good. Their bullpen is too good. And I think they've done some things on on offense to get better behind the scenes. I think a full season of Willie Adamas, a full season of Rowdy Telez, and maybe some uh, bounce back from Keston Hira and Kristen Yelich. I think – there's a there's a way that this team comes together and becomes a World Series contender if they can find it on offense. But I think the pitching alone is enough for them to uh, to get through the season as the division winner. I will say Brewers. I agree with Eno's points across the board, and I will not add anything else to the conversation. I will move us on Ooh, to the NL West. Let's keep it snappy. Yeah, let's go NL West. You know who wins who wins this division? Dodgers. Yeah, I think that's this a pretty amazing. <laughs> that's our wins again. Who, who'd have thought? Yeah. Uh, you want to keep it snappy? Dodgers. You won't get an argument here from anybody. All right. Second place. Second place. Added Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Who do you like yeah. as second place in the NL West? And do they make the playoffs as a wild card? I guess is the follow up question. What do you think, Britt? I like the Padres still. I think the Giants are probably going to end up in third, not because they had. Some crazy voodoo magic last year. I believe in them. I believe in their direction. They just had so many, again, so many things go right. It's just so hard to replicate these kinds of seasons. And the Padres wildly underperformed. They did get better. I still think they're probably one move away from really challenging in the NL West. Uh, But I think the Padres, with Bob Melvin, um, another thing that doesn't show up in the stats, right? Able to right the ship. Able to kind of play to the potential of a very talented lineup especially if they find a way to get rid of Eric Hosmer's contract and somehow use that to get better, maybe at the trade deadline. I think you're looking at a very strong San Diego Padres team. Yeah. The the Padres giants, uh, Braves and Cardinals. They're taking two of those, I think. Mm. So I voted against the Cardinals. They're out. That means it's one of the Padres and giants. And that just is a rough choice for me because I think the Padres have some really generational type young talent on that squad, but the, the Giants are so well run. Like it almost doesn't matter who the players are. You know, it's like they're just going to get the most out of the guys they've got. And they just added Carlos Rodon, which I think is an underrated move. Yeah. Uh, I think they might skew a little bit more pitching this year, but I think, I don't know, man. I think the Giants are in and the Padres are out. See, I think I'm Padres over Giants right now. It's going to be close. It's going to be hotly contested. But I'm worried about the the injury risk build that the Giants are leaning into with that rotation. If that goes wrong, that can go very wrong. Not that the Padres have this model of health with their core of starters, but I do like <laughs> that group a little bit more in terms of innings projections. I think Mackenzie Gore getting back on track is just a great story overall. It's really nice to see that he might be a significant contributor. Something some I'm not sure the Giants Padres. have. You know what I mean, right? Like yeah. Mackenzie Gore is something I'm not sure the Giants have, which is like yeah. a really good young. I mean, Sammy Long is not Mackenzie Gore. No, not 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 quite. Sammy Long is interesting, but he is not Mackenzie Gore. We're gonna get to some individual hardware in just a moment. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next, you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely-there poke-hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. 
visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. It's going to be the year of the rookie. There are some great rookies on opening day rosters. I'm glad that that's one of the storylines of this 2022 season. Uh, you know, you hinted at this a little bit earlier. You're going a little off script, at least in the bold predictions department. So I'm, I'm curious if it's your actual prediction or if you're letting yourself have two predictions for the AL Rookie of the Year winner. You hinted at this a little earlier. Is the bold actual pick, or are you going a little more chalky with one of Bobby Witt Jr. or Julio Rodriguez or Spencer Torkelson? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jeremy Pena. The thing that I think changes is different about Jeremy Pena than anybody else is a he plays a uh, important defensive position, and b uh, the team needs him there. There's no other option really. <laughs> I don't think they want to go to Edmonds Diaz as their starting shortstop, so. You know, if Bobby Witt struggles for a little bit, there's a there's a whole there's a, there are other people who can play third. You know, they've got Adalberto Montes can play short. Like they've got other options. And in Seattle, if they're really trying to win right now, if Julio Rodriguez has a Jared Kelnick type beginning to his career, he could go back down easily when Kyle. He could go back down in two weeks when Kyle Lewis is up. You know, if he if he goes oh for the first two weeks, I'm not saying that's the most likely thing to happen. I'm just saying that Jeremy Pena is the one that's going to have the longest leash. And so I think they're just going to put him in it short and play him all year. And so he'll have the counting stats. And uh, I think it'll be something like a 260 average 2020. If you're 260 2020 and you played all season, I think you win the rookie of the year. 260 2020 played all season. Okay. I'll jump in with mine real quick. So there's two ways to look at this. There's who do you think is going to win, which I'd say Julio Rodriguez would be my, my pick, the chalk favorite. And who would you bet if you were betting the futures? I wouldn't bet Rodriguez. I wouldn't bet Witt. And I wouldn't bet Torkelson. I'd bet a long shot. I would bet Kevin Smith in Oakland because Kevin Smith is going to play. He has power. He has speed. He's probably not going down if he slumps. Whereas with all these other guys, those are teams on the rise that are really trying to thread the needle, get development right, and win right now. So, yes, I'm picking Julio Rodriguez. But if I'm actually putting in a ticket and betting on it, Kevin Smith is that that deep sleeper in the AL that could have a great season that people are in fantasy circles talking about, but in, in real baseball circles, they're not really thinking about him yet. I like that. You know, what's cool though, is that there are legitimately five candidates for this, which tells you how exciting the future of baseball is, right? I'm going to go Torkelson. I saw him a lot this spring. I think the Tigers are very excited about him. I think the Tigers are in a position where, yes, they want to win this year, but not at the expense of kind of toying with him. They're not going to send him down. Uh, because they need these extra wins. I think he's going to take some lumps. He's going to get the opportunity. Um, I think having a guy like Miguel Cabrera there to lean on, you saw he was involved in kind of telling him he made the team. Um, I also would like Adley Rushman as my dark horse, but I don't know if he's going to come up in time. I think that's going to play a factor. We, we saw the injury. I think he probably would have made Baltimore's roster if he wasn't injured to start the season. And then he would have been kind of a trendy pick, right? Will he do enough? Uh, will people notice, even though he's in Baltimore? But I think that he kind of belongs in that iffy category because I don't know if we're going to get enough of a sample size of him this year. Yeah, I'm just excited to watch this entire group of young players. And it's not just the American League either. The NL is also loaded up with great young talent. So, Britt, who do you like to come away with the NL Rookie of the Year award? Yeah, the, the NL is the one that gets me, guys. I, I feel like I'm I'm going to be like Eno and Flake on a bunch of different guys on this one as well. Um, I think C.J. Abrams is probably... <laughs> it's it's Abrams, hard. There's a lot of different hard. players. It's hard because you're looking at like who's going to get the playing time, right? Who's going to come up? What team is going to invest? As we said with the AL, Um, I think I think I'm going to go CJ Abrams. Though honestly, like I don't know. I feel like O'Neill Cruz has a lot of upside offensively. Um, You know, there are other guys that I feel like could make an impact on this. But those were the two. If I'm if I'm punching a ticket and I'm betting my real money and not just Monopoly money. <laughs> Those are the two I'm going to go. If I'm betting Eno's money, I've got like five other names for you. Um, <laughs> you know, his, his Disneyland bucks. 
Yeah, I <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah, in terms of long shots, there's some names I like: Ronzi Contreras, and uh, you know, I think he's my favorite pitcher. But Mackenzie Gore apparently really revitalized not only the velocity but the shapes on his pitches. So I think those Good are the one. two favorite pitching uh, guys. But um, you know, you have to think about opportunity uh, down sort of down market names. I just want to mention are Alec Thomas. Uh, in in uh, Arizona, I think he's a really good, really polished hitter that can come up and, and smack it. But the thing is, I think you do want to favor players that are up to begin with. There are fewer names in the NL that are up to begin with. Um, so that leads it to kind of Hunter Green, Bryson Stott, uh, and then the guy I'm actually going to pick after naming all those, Seiya Suzuki. It just seems like yeah. You know, it's unfair. It's, it, it, you know, he's, he's older than everybody. He's got a lot more experience. Um, but uh, Seiya Suzuki is a really polished hitter that uh, is going to at the very least hit for a high average with 20 something homers and some steals in play all season. So I think he's, he's, he's really, I mean, as close to a lock as I can think of. A couple names from the chat too. We've got uh, Matt Brash maybe as a, a sleeper candidate for something like yeah, that. No, He's got the opportunity fine. right away. I think it's harder on the AL 120. side. It's also harder for a pitcher because like, can 120, mm-hmm. 140 innings, you know, is yeah. that going to be enough to go up against a position player? I would pick yeah. a pitcher only on the NL side this year. But like Eno said, it feels unfair that, say, a Suzuki and any player coming over from a professional league overseas can win Rookie of the Year. It seems like because the contract, the expectations should be higher. Playing time shouldn't be a concern at all. I think he can do a little bit of everything from the jump. So my pick would be Suzuki in the NL betting market. I think Edward Cabrera at plus 2,500 is also pretty interesting. Could be a nice bounce back arm for the Marlins this year after a brief disappointing debut. He was battling arm injuries last year, though. I think that's a big part of, of why we didn't get a, a better result from him uh, in 2021. We got a couple more awards to get to. Let's hand out some more hardware. Let's shift the focus over to the Cy Young Award. We got some odds we're going to put up on the screen here. Yeah. Lots of options here. We're going to start on the AL side, Britt. And you can go off the board here. These are just some of the favorites that we have yeah. on the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. I mean, I think Garrett Cole is the easy pick, right? I've seen a lot of people predict Garrett Cole. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Garrett Cole was the guy. Um, I like Bieber. I think he's going to pitch, you know, against probably uh, weaker lineups than Garrett Cole is. You know, think about what Garrett Cole has to face. The Red Sox lineup, the Toronto Blue Jays, that we all picked to win the division. Um, you know, those are going to be interesting as well. But I, I still think I'm going to go with Cole. I think, again, this is a tough – this is tougher – um, to predict a guy off the board, right? Because you're basically saying a guy who nobody expected is going to have a career year out of nowhere. And that could happen. Um, it's just a lot tougher to sit here and say, well, it's going to be uh, Kevin Gossman, for example, right? It's like when Jake Arrieta won a few years ago with the Cubs. Nobody saw that coming. The safer bet here is to go with Garrett Cole. So that's where I'm going to put my money. How about you, Eno? I'm a- Go with Jose Barrios. I just think he's uh, got a high floor. I think they're going to give him a lot of wins. Wins still uh, matter to a lot of voters. Um, I just think, you know, I think he's a guy who just has a high floor that has also a high ceiling. That's a fun combination. I also, he has a very low injury projection, um, you know, lower than any of these guys. Um, and I think that might matter just to put together a full season when nobody else is. You know, that might be the way that Cy Young separates himself this year is just by being the bulk guy when nobody else is. Uh, one name I want to do as a out of nowhere, quote unquote, um, would be uh, Dylan Cease, because what I have found with Cy Young is uh, like it'd be, I, I, I both predicted Logan Gilbert to be like the best guy on the Mariners this year. But I think even then it would be kind of hard for him to win Cy. I think it's almost like the Oscar awards where like, you know, the Oscars where like you have to have done something before. And then you, the second yeah. time you do it, you win the you win the side. So Dylan Cease already has broken out, if anybody noticed. Uh, so what I'm saying is uh, he does it again. He's a, maybe a little bit better or a little bit luckier and wins the side for it. I think so, I, I'm trying to look at a long shot in, in Luis Severino. He's plus 8,000 on BetMGM. If he somehow stayed healthy, he, he's good enough to win it. It's just a question of is. innings. It, and again, I, I try to play these futures more for amazing long shot odds, not chalk. I mean, and Cole being the chalk makes sense because Bieber's coming off an injury. G Lito's coming off of a, a relative down year, but he could certainly do it. I like the Cease and, and Berrios mentions here. The other name that I thought was kind of interesting as I looked at the, the mid-range, 
uh, is actually Justin Verlander. Like, I think we're we're estimating that he's going to be lighter on innings. Ooh, but that's another one. If Verlander gets to 180 plus innings, I mean, it's not impossible. The skills I think are going to be there, and he he'd be a strong consideration because you'd have that comeback player of the year vibe as well for the people voting on the awards. Well, and he's got the cachet, like Eno said. It's like Scorsese mm-hmm. doesn't win the Oscar for the best movie. He wins it because he lost it so many times. People are like, how did Scorsese never win? Right? It's kind of the same thing. But I, I don't even think 180. I mean, look at the past, The what's dwindling, and I disagree that wins matter to most voters. I think wins and innings are all going away. Corbin Burns, there was big talk last year. Remember Zach Wheeler right. pinching all those extra innings with worse stats, but it's like, okay, the guy might have had better stats if he had pitched as few innings as Corbin Burns did. I think the whole thing is changing. I think once you get over that like 160 mark, voters are just going to consider it a wash. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Now, I've got the NL odds up on the screen right now. Uh, Scherzer has moved just a little bit to plus 600. Burns still at plus 800, by the way. Walker Bueller down at plus 900 now, so that's moved as well. Jacob deGrom, because of the injury, I I don't think you could pick him at this point. He's going to miss too much time even if things go well, I mean, even though the quality of the innings might be as good as anyone in baseball, I'm, I'm on Burns here. I think Burns is the best pitcher in baseball. I'm surprised his odds at this point don't look more like Coles on the AL side. Well, it's hard to follow up a, a Cy Young year with a Cy Young year, right? It's just, it's really hard. I think with DeGrom, unfortunately, more and more, he looks like the Kofax of our generation, though I don't want him to be the Kofax of our generation. This guy who is brilliant, but his body just keeps betraying him, right? Innings are going to be a factor again. Uh, which Scherzer, you're talking about a guy who's what, almost 38 years old. I don't know if he's going to be able to continue what he's done. I mean, he's won three Cy Youngs. He's changed grips. He's done all kinds of crazy stuff. He's working around a hamstring issue right now. I don't know if he's going to be enough Cy Young-wise. I like Walker Bueller there, a little bit further down. The Dodgers really need him. If there's one hole in this team, it's their rotation, right? It's the depth of that rotation moving forward. I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, I think, you know, mound demeanor-wise, stuff-wise, this is a guy who competes. This is a guy who really kind of takes charge and wants to be the ace of the Dodgers rotation. And I think he's going to be buoyed by the fact that he's basically got the 1920 Yankees hitting for, you know, hitting behind him. I like Bueller as the Cy Young in the NL. You know? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, the NL race, I think it's actually way more wide open. You know, I think there's, there's so many names and it's amazing that there could even be like a Robin to a Batman that wins this year. So Julio Urias in LA could win it, you know, uh, as the kind of Robin to Bueller's Batman. Brandon Woodruff is one of my favorite pitchers in the game. Him right next to uh, Corbin Burns and, you know, keeping in the family, uh, that'd be kind of amazing. So, uh, man, just picking one. Uh, I'm going to go with Woodruff. He's the guy that I have highest in my rankings. And uh, he combines really great stuff with really great command. And um, if Burns takes it all a step backward, I think Woodruff will step into the void. Here's a a long shot that's interesting, though. Charlie Morton at plus 5,000. Come on, (laughs) he can do it, right? Yeah, we love Charlie Morton. (laughs) <laughs> probably yeah. a little too much maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe place that ticket on uh, on somebody else i look he he's capable of doing it a lot of these guys in this list are what's uh, what is logan webb's odds plus 1600 huh Not oh you know long. what what's uh what was otani in the al plus 2000 okay <laughs> i just yeah i was about to say innings but you you convinced me on the innings thing yeah I mean, they, they go from giving the MVP to the Cy Young next year. Woo! Otani, man. Well, that's pretty I mean, that, that would help Derek's Angels pick, the division winner pick, for sure. <laughs> he needs to do something. Otani needs to be very good. He needs to at least be top three in one of them. Well, not necessarily. Not if Trout's amazing. Not if Rendon's healthy. But I would imagine Otani's also good if my Angels winning the AL West fever dream becomes reality. MVP awards out there right now looking at these odds i mean otani plus 350 a slight favorite in the al mike trout sitting there at plus 400 vlad jr at plus 450 uh you got rafael devers wander franco and aaron judge all at plus 2000 brit who wins the al mvp award probably otani though i really enjoy the wander franco pick especially at plus 2000 
I think that's some decent value there for a guy who has a legitimate shot at it, right? Um, but to me, as long as he's healthy, it's Otani's award uh, to probably lose. Though Vlad Guerrero, it's so tough. You're like, God, how, how, like last year, I know voters had so much trouble. Like, how do you evaluate Otani when there's nobody doing what he's doing, right? How do you separate that? And it almost seems like you're punishing Vlad Guerrero Jr. because he doesn't pitch, and that's not fair either, right? It's almost like can we give Otani a separate award and then just judge everybody else, and maybe it would be a little bit better. You know, I just I just don't see how the voters who are already, you know, everyone's biased, just totally enamored by what he is and what he brings to this game. If it's close, I think Shohei runs away with it. There's just this thing called, like, Mike Trout fatigue that we saw before. <laughs> Sometimes when you're that great and you just do the same thing again, you don't need It's something before. Mike Trout has lost it in years when he should have won it. Willie Mays lost it in years he should have won it. People just sort of are like, yeah, but it wasn't as good as last year, you know? So, you know, who cares if it was probably the best thing in baseball? So I could see uh, somebody else uh, searching for it. Off that list of favorites, uh, for me, it's Vladito uh, coming out, uh, coming out, and uh, just hitting this, like maybe getting a triple crown. Like I think if he got the triple crown, then then you even if the war kind of favored Otani, you'd be like, yo, this guy just won the triple crown. We gave Otani the award last year. You know, it's easy enough to kind of do the mental gymnastics. The long shot for me is Kyle Tucker. Uh, I just think he's just a really amazing hitter across the board in terms of making contact, patience, hitting for power. He's going to run the bases. Uh, he's going to be if the if the Astros win that division, he's going to be their best hitter. Um, so I, I could see Kyle Tucker uh, for just to have a name off board. I think I'm with you on Vlad Jr. of the three, you know, kind of favorites on the AL side. Wander's going to win an MVP someday. I don't know if it's going to be in 2022. Those are odds that are enticing to me as well. I think out of the long shots, Tim Anderson at plus 6600. This is a White Sox team everyone thinks is going to win the division. There's going to be a few players at the top of that roster that have great years. Why couldn't it be Tim Anderson? He's the face of that team, right? I mean, I know Luis Robert and, okay. and Elo Jimenez are also great players. Jose Abreu is a great player. So there's other, other, other guys there. But Tim Anderson at plus 6,600 is actually pretty interesting to me as a long, long shot ticket. Got one more prediction that we have to get to before we get to the World Series. NL MVP. Who takes the NL MVP award this year? We'll go to you first, Eno. Uh, show, show me the favorites again real quick. Sorry, the, the kids are back. We got to check out. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Uh, yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Soto, Acuna, Harper, and I'm Betts go among Mookie, the favorites. Mookie Betts on a bounce back. And the reason, the only reason that I would have to go against Soto, who I think is the best hitter of all time, um, no, not yet, but might end up that way. Uh, I just think that this year will be like really OBP heavy. A um, lot of walks because I don't I don't think there's a lot of fear in that in that uh, lineup. Um, I know there's a couple you know there's Nelson Cruz, but that's that's just one other player. You know I, I don't think I fear anybody else uh, in that lineup. So I could see a, just a ton of walks for Soto, and it's going to be up to him to whether he expands his uh, his zone or not to to get more knocks. So um, Mookie I think gets healthy. Uh, gets going and, and puts up another 330, you know, 15 type season. See, I like Soto, and I think the Nats lineup does have some holes, but you have Cesar Hernandez, who's going to bat leadoff in front of Soto, who's got great OVP in the leadoff spot. So if he gets on and you're walking Soto, now you have Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell with two men on and nobody out. Um, and that could spell a disaster. So mm -hmm. I think there is decent protection for a guy like Soto. It's certainly his award to lose. Um, this was a guy who dealt with COVID scares, who dealt with all of this stuff and still put up those numbers. And I don't think people realize that. Um, hello, Eno's children. We're almost <laughs> done. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap it up because I know Eno's kid, the sugar is probably hitting them. God knows what they had for breakfast at the Disney buffet. Um, I'm going to go with Soto. <laughs> I'm going Trey Turner at plus 1600 kind of splits Ooh. the gap between the, the near favorites and a little bit of a long shot. Dodgers are going to be amazing as everyone's saying. And I think he's going to be right there in the thick of things to get to our world series predictions so they can get on the, uh, the rides ASAP real simple <laughs> who wins the world series and who do they beat in the world series? We go to you first, Britt. 
the Blue Jays over the Dodgers. Ooh, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. The Dodgers, you know, they're going to make it, but I think it's the Blue Jays. Like, hey, hey, what do you say, Blue Jays? Have you guys ever been there? You heard that song? I'm all in. I'm Never all in on the Toronto. sound. No, you know. No. No. I know that in. song exists. <laughs> <laughs> I spent too many years in the AL East covering the Orioles. That's I hear that right. song every time. They, every time the Blue Jays win, you would hear that song. I'm all in on the Blue Jays. I think it's their year. All right, Waffles, one World Series winner. Just two <laughs> names, just one winner. One winner. God, I can't. I want to say all the names. <laughs> okay, I'm going with... He's stuck. Yankees He's over Brewers. Yankees over Brewers, okay. Wow, Yankees' first title since 2009. The Yank. One thing that I was looking at World Series, uh, I was spring training stuff numbers, and they have some names that are popping that I was really surprised by. Clark Schmidt is a top ten uh, pitcher by Stuff Plus in the in, in the spring training. Luis Heel is up there with Matt Brash and all these other names that we're talking about. Um, and then there was one more. Lucas Lutke was is just pitching out of his mind. Uh, th- those are interesting names because Cole is always is like is fourth or something in Stuff Plus. They have the guys they normally have, but I think the depth is better this year. I think mm-hmm. Luis Heel stepping in and Clark Schmidt, this version of Clark Schmidt, might actually be the pitching depth they need. Severino and Cole are healthy at the top. What? Why aren't we talking about them? So, well, you uh, picked the Blue Jays to win the division, though. Yeah, yeah we went a whole hour without even matters. mentioning the Yankees. Okay. I don't right. think it matters. I think the Blue Jays could win the division. I think the Yankees could could uh, take the wild card to the to the top. I like it. Somehow, I don't know how people are sleeping on the Yankees just a little bit. I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to take the Brewers over the Jays in the World Series. Maybe it's just because that's what my heart really wants. I don't know if I actually believe that's going to happen, (laughs) but that's what I want to see. Maybe you get three of the 10 best starters uh, in the league all in one rotation in Milwaukee. I think they do find ways to score runs. I think, miraculously, they'll score more runs than the Jays in the World Series. I don't know how they're going to do it. But I think I think it's possible. Me thinking it's possible means that it can at least run prevention in Milwaukee, though. Yes. I think so. I think that's what's going to be pitching and defense. It's going to carry them. They're going to silence the great Jays offense in the 2022 World Series. That is going to do it for this episode of the 3-0 Show. Thank you if you joined us live. Be sure to leave us a rating and review. If you're listening to the podcast version, you can find Eno on Twitter at Eno Saris. Find Britt at Britt underscore Giroli. Find me at Derek Van Riper. Be sure to get a subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month at theathletic.com slash baseball show. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. Enjoy opening day. At the 3-0 Show, you've always got the green light. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.